everybody. Welcome to We've Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment from the 80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael, and Mindy's on the other side. Wow, that was, like, so fast. It was, but if you noticed, I tripped over the very first word, so it wasn't perfect. I didn't say anything about being perfect. <laughs> All right, this episode, we're discussing two films from director Tommy O'Haver. I know, nobody really knows who that is, but... For a brief moment, he was kind of a hot thing because he came off a movie called Billy's Big Hollywood Screen Kiss and uh, ended up doing Get Over It and uh, Ella Enchanted for Miramax, and we are here to discuss both of those. All right, so Get Over It is another one of those modern adaptations of a classic story from Shakespeare or, or, you know, there was a lot of those around that time, but a lot of them were Shakespeare-based. Well, we already did, we did 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, She's All That is, is, is who did Pygmalion? That's what it's from, right? It, that's not Shakespeare, but, yeah, uh, it, yeah, but we also did She's the Man. Which one's that one? Where did you, where'd you go? Oh, okay. Uh, She's the Man is, uh, the one with Viola, and, uh, what is the name of that Shakespeare show? Um, I forget at the moment, sorry. Okay, um, then there, there was Othello, which I don't think we'll ever discuss, oh, uh, and then there's Cruel Intentions, so it's a lot of this, like, taking classic public domain stories and updating them for a teen audience. I'm trying to figure out what the first one was that really, was Clueless based on anything? Yeah, but it, it was, it's based on, uh... Emma? Emma. Okay. So that might have got the ball rolling, but it was really, it seems like it happened when She's All That uh, really made a ton of money, and, and right after that was uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. So we're kind of at the tail end of that. It was like a three-year run of these remakes, and I'm going to be honest and tell you right now, there's only two elements of Get Over It that really work for me, like... Keep it from being like, what is it, that whatever it takes. It feels almost that level of generic. But Martin Short is giving a fucking wacky-ass performance, which you can always rely on him for, and the musical yeah. dance fairy stuff. You know, the otherworldly kind of stuff, which Tommy O'Haver um, really has an eye for, and, and it would go to another level in Ellen Enchanted, which is, I think, his best film. Yeah, so this one... Uh... I mean, the, the play that they're doing within the story is based on As You Like It, but I think the, the movie is mimicking the play within the movie. So, and then I think the one that was from She's the Man is Twelfth Night. Okay, I was wondering. I don't know my Shakespeare very well, but that sounded right. Um, so I've seen a min- yeah. Th- so yeah, this is based on Midsummer's Night Dream. What do you say about what do you say before that though? You said some other play. Oh, I I don't know why I said As You Like It. No, you're right. It's Midsummer's Night. Okay, I, I didn't. I don't know, yeah, I didn't know what As You but... Like It is. Uh, I've seen the play uh, at Huntington College, and I've seen the movie they made. I want to say it was like '98 with Kevin Klein. I think Michelle Pfeiffer is in it. Maybe Paul Rudd. Yeah. Um, I've seen that, but I don't remember much. I always just remember Puck. Everybody remembers Puck. I think he... that was a was that a Kenneth Branagh. I wouldn't be surprised. And you know I have the hardest time with Shakespeare. That kind of language, I I don't really get into. I can't get into Thor or Wonder Woman. I definitely can't get into the Bible because it's just incoherent. But Shakespeare's also like, what? Huh? Like Romeo and Michelle, not Romeo and Michelle, damn it, sorry. Romeo and Juliet, uh, the one by um, Baz Luhrmann, is just confounding to me. I don't 
Oh, that's probably where it started. I think that, yeah, the language is just too much for you to wrap your head around. Yeah, it's cryptic to me, and it's like, well, I got to decipher this. Know what that means. So sometimes I think it is a good idea to modernize these classic stories because the bones still work, you know. Um, so in this one, I think what works best is the play stuff. The stuff outside of it I don't really care about. I don't really care yeah. about any of the relationships. Um, could we not get Ben Foster to scream at the camera four times in a movie? It's really insane. He looks like a lunatic. <laughs> I know. I was like, "Do we? are we rooting for this guy? I'm really confused because I think he has some anger issues that he needs to deal with. Yeah. And his totally bizarre what-the-fuck parents. Yeah. Okay, Those they were fun, too. I kind of like Swoozie Kurtz and Ed Begley Jr. kind of buying this super positive <laughs> when he should be punished he's not he's like embraced for trying out new things <laughs> yeah uh yeah some of the other stuff that's like not entirely based in reality like the opening sequence where he's like yes he you know he's what is with that musical number behind him I have no idea. I don't get it, it's just I enjoy it's, it. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it at all. It's just there to be there. And I don't know if it's like cuz if it was in his head, you'd think that he would it'd be a miserable punk song like I hate everything right. about you or something like that. You know, some sort of yeah. like, mean breakup song. Well, Don't Go Breaking My Heart though is the song, right? Or is that the end of the movie? Uh, that's the end. What's the first song? The first song is Gosh, I'm trying to think about now. Got that vitamin C level keep oh, us together. Yes, thank you. I was vitamin C speaking of. This this is one of those movies where a lot of, it was kind of a curse of the teen movies is casting people who are hot just at that moment. Like having no real yes. establishment. It's like, oh we got one minute. Um, vitamin C, I think she had just come off of uh, Dracula two thousand. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she had that really popular song. The graduation she, song, right. She was a punk was singer, if I remember correctly. She was in a band called Eve's Plum. It was punk? I think they were. But they were alternative, I know that. And then she went off on her own, like, doing kind of teen pop. And she was older than the mm -hmm. rest of them, so that always made her stick out a little bit. Um, and then there's Cisco, yeah. who was known for the Thong song. I, he was in some other group, too. I can't remember, but... I think he's probably the weakest of all of the people in this movie because he's just not an actor. Right. No, for sure. Uh, I think that there's a, a lot of awkwardness here, and I guess you could sort of play it off as, oh, well, they're you know they're teenagers, so it's all awkward. But it's like the Cisco thing's super awkward. Like, I think that the, I like. The character of Stryker's terrible. And, like, who told this fucker he was a singer? My God. Oh, uh, by the way, is Shane West, his character, is he actually British or not? No. Are they kind of allude? No. Did it's I miss just that? A persona that he thinks, I mean, at least my impression is he, it's just a persona that he does because he thinks it's cool. Okay. There's, there really is an enormous amount of, like, talent and like interesting people in this show in this movie it's like is it one of the first movies i think i saw zoe saldana in and like of course she's woefully underutilized but you know it's a pretty while i've seen this movie many times and i do like it like for the fluff factor it's not a good movie 
<laughs> and there's no like you know it's not like any of these are juicy rolls <laughs> yeah i'm looking at this well i think okay yeah Hold on. I think Martin Short was given something, and, and he said, I'll do it if I can just improv. Like, he brings in the little teeth and trying to act all yeah. hip and stuff like that, and, and the weird, uh, oh, damn it, I want to start the episode with, uh, hand down, little Steve. <laughs> oh, God, I was going to say, yeah, but little Steve is the best. I love little Steve, but his improvs just seem like they're just, like, off the cuff. You know, like, they were never part yeah. of the script. That's the only way they got him to agree to be in this. Keep icing your front bum. <laughs> um, I love it when there's like I know who we can cast in this and he goes I know I'm a little too old for the role but no not you it's like oh alright <laughs> yeah, I know it's also awkward and I do think that yeah he kind of makes um, he makes the movie more fun this says that he acts Cisco actually filmed this movie before the thong song came out huh i wonder so if this is one that probably he probably filmed it then the song came out and then the movie got released okay because you know? i was wondering because also kirsten dunce had already done um bring bring it on or whatever and i feel like that she probably wouldn't have done this if that because if you look how films like this are usually done Oh, yeah, it says right there, sh shooting from June to August. So it was done filming before Bring It On Ever came out. It just seems like it's a little beneath her. Uh, but if she did it before that or, or before it was released or whatever, she, her her star hadn't risen yet. Yeah. Um, of course, she was coming out I mean, two flops. Was, but. Yeah, she did a lot of stuff. She, you know, obviously, she's, she's been acting since she was a kid. Like, obviously, we know that. But, um... Yeah, she did some stuff in her teen years trying to figure out her place, you know. And Ben Foster, yeah. I think this is right after he did Liberty Heights. And he hadn't really become... Oh, okay. He hadn't become the character actor yet. You know, I, that would come further down the road. I think that was more like uh, around the time of The Punisher is when he realized he wasn't a lead. And this is... So Liberty Heights was from Miramax. And I remember we talked about this before. It seems like they always had like this little cachet of actors that they would constantly use. Like you do this movie for us, we'll have another one or two lined up for you. And a young actor, they want to have some variety for one, but two, like, oh, well, I need, I need to make sure I'm still working. I can't just like, you know. Yeah. So you just take what's offered while, to you. Even if it's yeah. While I truly think that Ben Foster is a really, really good actor, he is not like unappropriate lead. <laughs> no it's it never seemed like a fit he's so much better at the like tortured you know i mean god like where did he he hell or high water was just you know brilliant yeah a brilliant acting choice for him like that stuff's way better for him well in, in big trouble he's not the lead obviously but he's one of the main characters and it, no. it, it works towards his kind of like cynical snark yes okay it's a different, it's more of an ensemble type thing, too. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, all that pressure isn't really on anybody exactly. Yeah, oh, I remember that Bang Bang You're Dead was so brilliant. Oh, right, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, he really just does like the, the darker stuff really well. Yeah, this movie didn't make a whole lot of money. It was just it was kind of like one no, of those throwaway sure. generic movies. It said it cost twenty two million, but I remember when they were promoting this that it only cost ten and it barely made its money back. But 
I mean, they were shooting these so fast back in the day to capitalize on, you know, yeah. the new rise in teen entertainment. And they were just doing them like a month, two months, you know, and whatever, and just throwing them out there. And some work, some don't. What, is this what Colin Hanks quit Roswell for? No, he quit it for uh, Orange County. Oh, this came out after Orange County? No, so it, his first role... Like where he had real dialogue with whatever it takes, speaking of, uh, with Shane West. Right. Um, so he only has like a little bit of dialogue there. And then he has a beefier role here. And by this point, he has already been in the first season of Roswell. And yeah. then I think three quarters of the way through season two of Roswell, he got Orange County. And he was going to lose the role if he had to stay yeah. on Roswell. And then he asked them to kill him off. So he's like not in the last eight episodes. And right. uh, so, yeah, that's what made him... I mean, he's not a star, but he—I don't think he wants to be a star. I, if I think, you know, like the look at the way his career has gone, he's taken a lot of like hearty character yeah. roles. He's done because he could have been a star if he'd taken generic shit, you know, lower budget garbage or whatever, just so his name was above the title. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've we've covered Orange County before. I think that movie is absolutely brilliant and hilarious, and he's fantastic in it. But I don't know that it necessarily, you know was a huge success either. And for a teen movie at that time, it did very well. And the fact that it got so much critical acclaim is what really makes the difference. Yeah. But uh, I guess anyway. he's, he's been filming documentaries now, which is I think is interesting. He's doing a new one with Ryan Reynolds where they're doing about the life of John Candy. Who is? Uh, Colin Hanks. He's directing documentaries? Yeah, he did one four years ago about Tower Records, how it, how it was so big and collapsed. Oh, I don't, I, I have seen this, like, the poster for it, but I don't, I didn't realize that he's the one who directed it. Yeah. I have definitely seen that advertised. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, you know what? Sometimes it just, you know, you don't, you gotta find your thing, your niche, you know, whatever. But it's not like he's not acting. He did two, two uh, TV miniseries in 2022. Yeah, well, he's in you Fargo. Know? I think Fargo's really changed things. And then he got that show, Life in Pieces. And I just think he's so... What I hated about Orange County, we talked about it before, is that all they did was compare. Oh, you're the son of... Like, they wouldn't let him be his own thing. And that had to yeah. be exhausting. I'm looking right he now... He it in real life. Well, during all the interviews, I was watching when they were talking about promoting oh, Orange okay. County. They're like, oh, you're yeah. the son. I was like, yeah, I know. Ugh. I know. Um, how do, I mean, that not that just – I mean, I for anybody who happens to want to follow the same path as their parent or, or sibling or, you know, family member, what, what pressure that is to not be able to be your own person. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at Little Stevie. Um, he only has a small part in this, but he plays basically like the puck character. But a Dove, yes, I'm going to exactly. say wrong, Dove Tick, Tiffenbach. Um, not doing a whole <laughs> lot of movies right now, but he has been doing TV. He was a regular or semi-regular on Umbrella Academy, and he just came off of doing an episode of Titan, so I'm glad to see he's still working. Well, I wonder what was the other... He did another movie around the same time that I was... And I was like, oh, him, you know? Well, I remember, uh, well, he was a little I, kid. I guess that just happens a lot, huh? He was a little kid in Tommy Boy. He's the one who's harassing him when he's on the boat. And then, uh, what's her face? He yells yep. at him. Um, but then he's in The Mighty. He was in Cheaters. Uh, Jason X. Um, Harold and Kumar. I remember him, Harold Kumar. I think he's the lead dealer. But, yeah, he just seemed like he's one of those guys. He's a Canadian actor, so if there's American production up there, they were casting him a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff that I've seen, so I don't know what exactly it is, but I was like, oh, yeah, that one. But, yeah, Canadian Canadian stuff is really interesting, isn't it? I think so. I, I'm always been fascinated by it because, you know, in eight, uh, seventh grade, I did a report on Saskatchewan, and then I just became, like, fascinated. Strange thing, though, is I oh, still have never... I remember that. I, I remember that. <laughs> I've never really been to Canada. <laughs> just to Niagara Falls, that's it. <laughs> All right, so I think that's it about what I want to say on, you know, all I want to say about Get Over It. There's some elements that oh, really work. I want to say some other things. Okay, go ahead. A uh, writer of this R.V. Fleming Jr., what else did he write? Anything worth noting? Oh, he's all that. She's, did he also write She's All That? Oh, you know, I think that, we discussed so, that during that movie when we, we did yep, that episode. She's All That, yep. Yep, a bunch of TV. Just I was just curious because uh, that's not a name you forget easily. Um, also, I was gonna say the music. Okay, so obviously the music is pretty cheesy. Oh yeah, the the boy band shit. The the boy band shit, the stuff that you know um, that. Martin Short's character supposedly wrote was really not great, but the one song that she, you know, that her character writes and performs is actually really good, and I, I'm going to tell you that it's been stuck in my head for like a week. Really? Sweet. Do we know who wrote this? Like, yeah, that's what I was going back to look. It was somebody, it's like Mark, uh, you know, what's his name, uh, Shaman or something. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, who do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. I think that he wrote some of the stuff with like who am I thinking? The um, South Park. Guys? Right, right. Yeah, he uh, he broke through. I think big time with uh, bigger, longer, and uncut. Okay, so is that so? My yes, Mark Shaman. Uh, that's the right connection, right? I just know his name and that he's written a lot of. Oh yeah, uh, he's worked on a lot of things, um, musicals and stuff. Uh, oh, 75, 75 composer credits and films. I forgot the song from the those. Down fucking... with love. That's probably it. Down with love. Uh. Uh, South Park, yeah. Uh, uh, he composes a lot of like legitimate stuff, you know, Patch Adams, Simon Birch, In and Out, Ghost, uh, George of the Jungle. Like he's really legitimately worked on a lot of films, and not just not just like lyrically. It looks yeah, like yeah. so. Anyway, I was just curious. Oh, Mary Poppins Returns, Hairspray. Anyway, I was just uh, interested in that because I thought. Uh, it was actually that one song is actually really catchy, but I will also say that this is another one of those movies where I had the soundtrack. I thought you did, uh, and I think I, I'm pretty sure I still have it. So, so the songs that were written, but also the soundtrack. The, the soundtrack itself is like. Um, very very enjoyable badly John boy man he was really like on a several movie soundtracks for for a blip in time <laughs> um anyway i didn't realize 
I, we're wrong. It wasn't Don't Go Breaking My Heart. I was so sure that was in the movie. It's September is the last song in the movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, I, I do also think that I can credit this movie uh, that we watched. In what year did we watch? What movie? What year did this movie come out? 2001. 2001. I think that this is the movie that really... Um, introduced me yes very late in the game clearly to uh elvis costello okay yeah and and made me uh like kind of curious and and, and investigate uh, so like i'm not like a diehard elvis costello fan but i have albums and i think that this is the reason why so right well you know there's what? there's uh, a period me to elvis costello. yeah i i go through his music every once in a while and there's a period where it was really strong up until about 82 83 and then it fades out and comes back really big in 89 yeah and mm-hmm. with spike and then it kind of fades again so it's just he yeah, had well, yeah it's that's with most artists he's been around forever that's gonna happen you yeah know? um i forgot don't go breaking my heart is the last song in our next movie ellen chanted yes. that's the yeah that's it's understandable why you would get those confused because they're you know similar in certain ways with their random unexpected musical numbers yeah okay it's, now we can move on okay so El Enchanted you would not know this but this is the movie I've seen the most in the theaters <laughs> I've seen it seven times seven Seven times, but it's only because I worked at a movie theater, whatever. And so I'm not counting the times that I missed most of it. Like the first couple of times I would just walk up and I'm like, oh, this is an interesting sequence, but then walk back downstairs, whatever. Because it was, uh, it was at that, remember the, the theater I worked at, there was one across the street that was yeah. much smaller. Where I, I, I know that I went, I know that I saw this movie in that theater. Man, that was a good time that I got to see all, all the movies I wanted to see because you worked there. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> Um, and I, oh God, my list. If you look at my list of movies that I've seen in the theaters, um, yeah, I think the most I've ever seen is when I was working at the theater because really, so you're working by yourself over at that theater, and yeah. so someone would come over, they would start the movie up or whatever, one of the managers, and then you would just stay there basically by yourself, especially if it's slow, and now after, there's only what 10, 15 people because there's always like second run for the most part. Um, or yeah. as or as a second screening, like okay, we had Spider Man over in the big theater, we had Overflow in the second theater, and for the most part, you were by yourself, and like you're done, you're just done giving people stuff um, within like ten minutes, and that's the trailers. So afterwards, I would just get bored, and I would wander upstairs, and I would watch the movie, and I could hear because of the way the staircase was curved, that whenever someone yeah. opened the doors to come out. I could hear them, and I would just run downstairs, check, you know, usually it was just going to the bathroom, whatever, but I would watch, like, 90% of the movie. So I watched this over, I watched this movie over and over and over again, because it's just so damn likable. I mean, I, like, had a crush on Anne Hathaway at the time, because she was so delightful. And I still think the movie holds up very well now. And you can see this is one of those very early movies where the world around it was all, like, CGI. Like yeah. It, they're, like, they're on a stage, but it still it doesn't look that bad because some of the stuff, like, you know, I think Star Wars started that with uh, Attack of the Clones, and it just seemed like it was a lot cheaper. Now every movie does it. All these Marvel movies, even the costumes are fake. But, like, there was Sky Captain and this and Sin City. Oh, God. We're all. I remember seeing Sky Captain in that theater too. Yeah, and everybody hates that movie Uh, for some reason. I fucking love Sky Captain. (laughs) Um, I know you do. So, 
this is not based on an old story. This is a, an adaptation of a novel, what, from like seven years earlier? Have you ever read it? Of course I have. It's based on Ella Enchanted, but Ella Enchanted, I mean, that's the name of the book, too. But is that really based on Cinderella? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it is basically the same kind of caveat, except for the the curse that she has on well, her. Well, I mean, there are some there are some some twists. It's like you know, ultimately, it's very similar, uh, but you know, technically, in the Cinderella story, you know, she didn't have a curse. It was just sort of like a a, a place in society kind of thing, as opposed to a literal curse. So. Yeah. It all kind of still the same, you know. The but when the, the addition of the fairies and things like that uh, definitely uh, adds a lot of interest. The fairies and the uh, you know issues between different factions. Like, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of political the, commentary yeah. throughout this. Yeah, and I, I don't recall. I haven't read the book in a really, really, really long time. I don't really remember, like, as much political commentary. No, and, and also, they definitely aged up, like, the Ella in this, because it was, it's a children's book. Okay. She was, she was probably really, like, 12, maybe, uh, in, the, in the book. But, uh, I mean, it gets the, the right feeling, you know, but... Obviously, they changed some stuff, but I think this is definitely the first time I ever saw Hugh Dancy. Yeah, I don't. Rem- I don't know if he did anything in America before this. I saw I him recently, I and I was kind of thrown so. off. I was like, "Oh, because I get he was on Hannibal, I guess, for years." Yeah, he he was. Um, he's what's what's the fucking uh, character? Will Graham. Will Graham. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I watched. I I never quite finished. It's only three seasons, but I never quite finished it because it's very psychologically um, intense and disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> the anyway. uh, but um, and this we talked about this during the Princess Diaries episode. But she had like three of these movies right in a row. I don't know if she did anything between Princess Diaries and this, but it's a three year gap, so she had she had to have done something. But this was kind of like, she was annoyed that she was locked in with these kids' movies in, in these yeah. kind of roles or whatever. And then you remember she did that movie Havoc and then Brokeback Mountain oh, where she God, got like, yes. yeah, they got, she got naked or whatever and tried to prove that she was a doll. And guess what? It actually worked. <laughs> so most of the time I it mean, doesn't. I, yeah, that's the thing is, it's like, you know, she started off her, her career in Disney and, and, you know, was very, sweet and charming and likable and uh you know it was i can understand not wanting to get pigeonholed in that way but what she did was risky yeah that's for sure it can really Um, blow up your face she did the other side of heaven which is like a pg movie about a missionary i don't know if you've ever seen it i remember that was like a disney movie right with um... it actually is a disney movie this was probably the only starring really starring role christopher gorham ever really had oh okay never mind i'm thinking something else oh i'm thinking tuck everlasting oh no that was that's uh alexis right 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 but yeah this is a movie about like a mormon missionary which really is strange that he was like it was a kind of a mainstream flick. I don't think that it came out until later, though. Oh, okay. Um, she also did a voice in my favorite uh, Miyazaki 
Studio Ghibli movie, which is The Cat Returns. Uh, Nicholas Nickleby. Yeah, Nicholas I know. Oh, we have Nicholas Nickleby. Yeah. That didn't get a lot of attention, but I think that that was between the two. Yeah, that's yeah. also kind of in the same vein, the fantasy, you know, whatever, yeah. love story. So I can see why she wanted to do what she did. Based on books. Everything she was doing was, like, based on books and, you know, very... PGG kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, well, it's it's like the curse that Orlando Bloom has that he was never able to shake. It's yeah. like I mean, even now he's still getting those kind of roles. He'll try to do you know like something different, but no one gives a shit. No one showed up for Elizabeth Town. Yeah. <laughs> um, no one showed up for what? Elizabeth Town. Oh, but that movie's just not very good. Oh, I mean, okay. Well, I've never seen it, so but I mean, it just seemed like he was one of those that was always trapped in these period pieces. And yeah. In, in 19... I mean, yeah. honestly, you should watch it sometime just to just know that it's just a really like it's it's a, from uh, Cameron Crowe. Just it's pretty weak. Cameron Crowe hasn't and made a good movie since Almost Famous. Not really, and like Kristen, it's funny Kristen Dunst is in that. She sort of just plays that manic pixie dream girl kind of role. Oh, boy. could be different because remember that takes forever to do she could have voiced yeah. that at the same time that she was doing this it's the same company oh yeah it could have taken years to come out that's yeah. true and then i guess she they didn't they did not want her for devil wears prada they wanted rachel mcadams and she kept saying no and then i guess somehow they showed some footage from brokeback mountain to like meryl streep and meryl streep was like no i want her Oh, I don't well, know. good for her. Um, yeah, but then she's, you know, she keeps mixing it up, like, period pieces, comedy, with Get Smart, which I think was a really good choice for her. Yeah. Some dark, serious stuff, but, you know, you know, this is, yeah, anyway. I remember specifically, like, thinking 2004 was an interesting year for Carrie Elways because he kind of faded away for a while. Yeah. But then he had this as the villain, in a decent budget movie, but then Saw. <laughs> and that was the big one for him, but it really didn't do anything after that. He just goes back to doing, you know, low budget, uh, barely released directed video movies. I think he's a really good, interesting guy. We talked about Dracula um, on the, uh, another podcast with a friend of mine, and we're still confused. If you look at the cast, Johnny Depp had dropped out, and he cast Keanu, and I'm like, but you have Carrie Elwes right there. You just move him. You move everybody up, you know, a notch. You make, you know, uh, uh, Richard E. Grant into the Carrie Elwes role. You move, you know, whatever. You just mm-hmm. uh, I, Keanu clearly was not ready. Um, was not fit. Yeah. It was not right for the role. I, I love Keanu, but I think everybody knows that he was given like three weeks to practice or whatever to get ready for the movie. And it just, yeah, it just, that's not fair. And people blame him, and I blame the fact that the director just didn't make the right choice. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a, that's interesting because he he really has done a lot of voice work, and, and curiously, he's done a, a bunch of uh, Studio Ghibli movies as well. Yeah, I, uh, someday I will watch them. Including being like the main character with her in The Cat Returns. Oh, interesting. Well, I wonder if it was released by Seriously. Miramax. That's what I'm curious about. I don't, maybe, because he's now, I've seen three movies now that he had did a, a Studio Ghibli movies he did voice work for. Yeah, I remember, and well, then, Miramax had a big uh, distribution deal yeah. for years with, uh, what was the company, Ghibli? Studio Ghibli? Studio Ghibli, yeah. That sounds like food. Can I get some Ghibli? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, it, he did a lot of voice work there and some, a lot of low-budget-ish movies. And... And, uh, so this movie wasn't very expensive if you consider how many special effects in this. And the fact that some of it still worked, the snake looks good. And yeah. I think they learned some tricks, of course, from Lord of the Rings, which came out three years earlier. You know, so the, the, the giant, yeah. you know, the depth perception kind of thing or whatever. But also... It was shot in Ireland, and if you sh- if you hire actors from the UK, you get tax credits. So you're gonna see, this most of this cast is ca- with, with UK actors anyway, which is, is appropriate. I don't like seeing a lot of these movies where you're like, these guys are all from Des Moines. What the fuck, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Or, no, I get that. And they were smart. It looks like a lot of them they just shot for a day, a day or two, whatever, to you know, and it made it really quick. Like Steve Coogan's just doing a voice, which I didn't know until this moment that he was the voice of the snake. I know. Um, Eric I Idle. Kept go, I kept going like I, I was like, "Where's Steve Coogan?" I'm so confused. <laughs> um, Eric Do you Idle. Remember when Jimmy Mystery was like a thing for a sec? What was it? J- Jimmy Mystery. Oh like, yeah, because he was in some movie called like The Guru, I think. Yeah, he was like a thing for a sec. I don't know. But that movie didn't do very well, and people just kind of threw him away. It was. The Guru at the time was kind of like that movie Happy Texas. Do you remember where they paid a big chunk of money and they thought it was going to be a hit and didn't make shit? But it's so cute. <laughs> uh, we have Mini Driver. And Vivica Fox is like the meanest fairy. <laughs> or oh, whatever. no. She's the worst. She's like, you don't like my gift? Everybody loves my gift. Listen to the words that are coming. Oh, oh she's gone. Ah, shit. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that there is real dramatic weight in this because uh, it's all about, you know, controlling her, taking away her freedom, and you know, making her a killer against her choice or whatever. And uh, that's actually, I got a little stressed. <laughs> yeah, uh, there was definitely a more uh, at risk here, you know. they It wasn't just, you know, fun, fun and games. And she fought very hard to try to earn her freedom, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in turn, I guess, you know, she tried to help fight for the freedom of others as well. It's so weird that this... It, 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 Sorry. No, I was just to say, I just think it's really interesting that, it's like, it, it appears to be just, like, a light, fun family slash rom-com. But really, it does have quite a lot of depth. I'm really surprised this wasn't sold to Disney. I mean, Disney owned Miramax yeah. at the time, and this is clearly something that they should have released, and I think they would have done a better job yeah. promoting it. And I just, it's confounding that Miramax decided, and they're not known for family films at all, and this was something that they're trying to do, I guess, and they just fumbled yeah. it. I, if I was Disney, I would have been like, look, we're, we're going to take this, because they released the soundtrack, 
And technically, I guess she's a Disney princess. What they should have just taken that over. But I think Paramount now owns it, which is the biggest fuck up. Because you could have had, you know, they could have done like an Ellen Enchanted cartoon or directed video movies or whatever. It's just sure, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I think that really would have fit nicely with with their catalog. Yeah, I mean, at Disneyland, you get Ellen Enchanted figures. It's just. Uh. But, um, oh, uh, okay, Joanna Lumley, Lucy Punch, I don't know the other girl. They are so much fun as, like, the shit. I've never the shit. seen the other gal before, but, God, I think this is my first introduction to Lucy Punch. But she really is a pretty solid, solid person in the comedy realm. Yeah, know? I know her from, let's, someone Mary Berry or something like that. Do you remember that? Yeah, but the first, I think the other thing that we kn- knew her from more, more maybe is was the class. Oh shit, you're right. Okay, that I was also thinking of that um, dinner for schmucks. She's the crazy dinner girl. Dinner for schmucks. Yeah. Yeah, she's kind of a crazy girl in a lot of stuff, and apparently she's in Confess Fletch, which I'm still sh- looking for on video, but I haven't seen it come out yet. Well, that's one of the big okay, screw The whole COVID thing. Yeah. Uh, for movie releases has been a disaster because so many of these movies are desperate to make their money back. So there's two choices. It's either you keep it on the streaming service or, and if you want to rent it, that's all you can do or buy it flat out, but it's like twenty four ninety nine because they lost so much money or they're so desperately yeah. broke, like Warner Brothers, and they're like, well, it's been out for a year. Let's sell it for five bucks. Like uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League should not already be five bucks digitally. It's It's so bizarre. But they're they're yeah. insanely broke. But Paramount, I'm pretty sure Paramount's the one that released Fletch. They had a weird thing where it was supposed to be in theaters, but COVID hit, and they sold yeah. it to Showtime. But then Showtime sold it to someone else. I, I, like Showtime owned it, but they let it be on Paramount Plus. It's like in yeah, four it's different a places. Hot mess. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know when it's ever going to have a physical copy. There's so many movies out there. I can't believe there's no physical copies, especially if you're in financial trouble. How is Tomorrow War? With Chris Pratt not available anywhere besides Amazon. Jesus. Because it's an Amazon exclusive movie. They almost never actually make those available on DVD. But they did. It's just... When they first started, almost, they did. Almost never, though. Yeah, it's... it's very selective. Well, it, it originally, a Tomorrow War was a Paramount movie. And mm-hmm. at that time, Paramount was selling all their stuff to other people. So, coming to mm-hmm. America... Was sold to parent or was sold to Amazon. It's on DVD. Same thing for Lovebirds. Why not Tomorrow yeah. War? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's super selective, like that one movie that they made with um, Steve Carell and like Timothy Chalamet, whatever. Was like I forget the name of it. People just kept calling us constantly, like asking us. To can't we get this DVD? And like, no, it's only available streaming on Amazon. I must have told that, gave that same answer 30 times. Yeah, it concerns me greatly because Beverly Hills Cop 4 is going to be on Amazon soon and you're not going to have that part of your collection? Ugh. I think I don't quite understand the like rash, I mean, I know we're digressing so much, sorry, but like the rationale between like, what do you, decide to release on DVD like yeah we'll get you know the season uh, we get seasons of Stranger Things and it'll come out you know 
season four will come out right before season five is released. So I thought I, I, get it a, a year after it's been on TV. Yeah, I thought only the first two seasons so, were available, so I'm confused. I'm not even sure, my dude, because it's just the point is, is like it just none of it really makes sense to me on how they decide to handle that kind of thing. Before That's we wrap all. it up, I want to go back to Ella real quick, but there's one other thing I want to say. Sorry. Arrested Development is being pulled from Netflix. Only the first three mo- uh, seasons are physical. The fourth one's available digitally, but the fifth season is nowhere. So when it disappears from Netflix, where the fuck is it going? Huh? I don't. I don't know. Where did Westworld go? Yeah. HBO oh, pulled it from HBO Max. You can't watch it. It's their own show. Yeah, I don't know what's going. It seems like everything's just now a fuck around tax write off. Uh, um, yeah. So- anyway. So Ella Enchanted, um, real quickly, it's one of these, it's one of the very first, what they call um, jukebox soundtrack kind of things where it's not original mm. songs. Um, I think it. I think it's peak kind of like what Rock of Ages was kind of like the big jukebox musical. Yeah. Those are those are hard because if it's not about one particular artist, it's it's a little strange. Like Elton John, you know, Bohemian, or Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, those are musicals. Mm-hmm. But they're not really jukebox musicals because it's all from one artist. The jukebox musicals right. are uh, just random picks that go into the movie. Yeah. And I, I hardly, I think they hardly ever work. I just watched the new Valley Girl and it just doesn't work. I did not like it at all, especially when they fuck up the years. If it's 1982, don't you play a song from 1986, okay? <laughs> yeah, when they're it's it, when they're it's like they're trying to shove. Uh, a square peg in a round hole or something. They try so hard to make it all fit, but it doesn't really quite fit. Like, you're, yeah. they're trying too hard. Also, that movie, there's no way, based on the years, there's no way that Alicia Silverstone had to, her character had to have been like 55 or, or 60. It didn't make any sense. I'm like, she's my age, okay? I'm not even close to that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna, I, I haven't even seen it, so let's not talk about yeah. it. But, uh, I just to say this is like basically the first time she's showing her her singing ability, but I don't think that as many people have seen this movie as they should have, and thus were surprised that she was such a good singer. What was the was it Les Miserables that she was in? Was she in another one? Uh, I think she's maybe singing. I don't know that she she's in any like straight. Uh, musicals other than that but okay. i think she's like you know tooled around a bit and other things yeah she's a lovely voice i really liked it but i mean didn't she win an oscar for that nah, maybe i couldn't i couldn't get through it late miserable is miserable <laughs> i is not my kind of musical maybe she got nominated for like best supporting actress or something anyway it's it, oh she did win best performance by an actress in a supporting role okay wow that's what I thought. Um, she brings something epic to that role that, I mean, some people would call it a bit much, but I think <laughs> that it was just right. Um, anyway, well, I've also seen it, many versions of it. I've seen it on, you know, stage. I've seen it. I've seen various versions of it. Um, I will say also I was deeply disappointed to find out that Hugh Dancy was not doing his own singing. Aww. And in fact, it was Jesse McCartney. Who is that? Um, I don't know if we have time to explain. Oh, okay, was he a, like a Disney kid or something? You've you've never even heard of Jesse McCartney. All right, I'll look him up. 
But I want to bring up real quick. He had a few random hits. Like, I think he did a remake of, like, Candy Girl. Candy Girl! I don't know. I don't know who this kid is. I'm looking at him right now. I have no idea. But he was was like, it looks like he was a Nick kid. Um, Somebody to Love. This is not the first time I've seen it sung in a movie. And, and this is never going to come up again. Uh, but there is a very obscure straight-to-video movie with Emilio Estevez and Steven Weber uh, called Late Last Night, where all of a sudden, in the in the middle of it, for no fucking reason whatsoever, I don't even remember if he did drugs or anything like that, but all of a sudden, Steven Weber just starts singing with a chorus inside the bar of this song, and I thought that was so amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of just randomly singing but most of the time I need it to make sense yeah. but whatever alright well I whatever. think that's all I really have to say about that anything you want to say before we go no okie dokie so check us out on all the podcast hosts and whatever comment like send me up sandwiches or something say hi to Mindy if you ever see her like with a like throw a pie at her face go I love your show hope you like the pie <laughs> All of our listeners are living like a different country, right? Yeah, but what if they have a really good arm? Cool, cool. Okay, anybody who lives in another country, reach out and I'll come um, visit you on vacation sometime. Okay. (laughs) All right, that is it for us, everybody. I need some adventure in my life. (laughs) Okay, bye. That got weird. Sorry. All right, bye.